Um, we've been talking about for the last four weeks when all of this coronavirus and COVID stuff hit, we kind of shifted gears and we started talking about what our response is. And people started asking me, Pat, um, how should we be responding to the unknown? And specifically, uh, I, I will say just in general, like globally as people, as just part of humankind, how can we be responding and how should we be responding right now? And then more specifically, a lot of people were asking me from a position of faith, how should I be responding right now from a position of being a follower of Jesus? And so we've talked the last three weeks and we used this guy, King Jehoshaphat, as the backdrop in Second Chronicles chapter 20. We've been reading through this and King Jehoshaphat was in a unique situation. He found himself in trouble. He found himself feeling a little bit of fear some anxiety and maybe some uncertainty because what had happened was these three tribes had gotten together to form like this super army and they were going to attack him. And we talked about the last three weeks, what Jehoshaphat's response was. Number one, he focused in on God. Number two, in that focus, he made the decision not only to personally, but to actually get the rest of the nation that he was the king over to fast and to pray. And then they set out after fasting and praying, they began praising God. They began releasing a sound of rejoice. And it wasn't the fact that God had moved on their behalf immediately, but that God had made the promise that the battle that they were about to face belonged to God and not to them. And the only thing they needed to do is continue to praise, continue to be thankful, profess their gratitude about who God was, not what he had done because their praise preceded their victory. And in chapter 20 of 2 Chronicles, it goes on to say that as they begin to praise God in the midst of the battle, King Jehoshaphat puts these men, he takes these men who uh, were praising and, and singing, he puts them in front of the warriors, in front of uh, strategically who knew how to use weaponry to fight the battle on their own behalf, and they begin to praise God. And what do you know? God comes through in the midst of this ambush in this battle, and these armies who were meant to bring death to King Jehoshaphat and Judah, turn on themselves and destroy themselves. It's in verse 24 that we're going to pick up, Second Chronicles verse 24. I just want to remind you, if you're new or if you haven't done so before, one of the easiest ways to follow along on a Sunday morning is simply just download our Movement Church app. You can go to Sunday services, click sermon notes, and all of my notes are in there. It makes it really simple. You can take notes right in the app. We're going to jump in in verse... 24, it says, when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Baraka, where they praised the Lord. That is why it's called the Valley of Baraka. That word Baraka means praise, or the Valley of Praise. So that is why it's called the Valley of Baraka to this day. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps, lutes, and trumpets. Verse 29 says, The fear of God came upon all of the kingdoms of the countries, 
When when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Verse 30, here's the key verse. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. We've been talking about, for the last three weeks, what our response should be in the midst of the unknown. But today I thought it was really important that we talk about what God's response is on our behalf in the midst of the unknown. What is God's response? Now, I want to tell you a little bit of a spoiler alert. Here's the answer to that. God's response in the midst of the unknown is to bring peace. God's response with Jehoshaphat and in our lives is to bring peace. There's two ways and two things I want to talk about today. Number one, God's peace is personal. And number two, God's peace is present. It's personal and God's peace is is present. So we see God responded personally by giving Jehoshaphat's kingdom peace and rest on all sides. It says right there in verse 30. But the something that I want to point out is, is that Jehoshaphat's peace was the outcome of his rest. His peace was the outcome of his rest. It says, and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace for his God, because his God, therefore, therefore, because he was in rest, therefore he experienced peace. And so peace and rest in this context are interwoven together and we can't separate them. So I wanted to find both of those for us this morning. Number one, peace means quiet. It means undisturbed. It means stillness, rest. It's to obtain rest. It's to lay down. It's to lean on. It's to be settled down. I get this picture in my head of a small child who is who's super excited and, and, and their, 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 their energy level is through the roof because maybe they're, they're feeling a little bit excited about some plans that you have told them. Perhaps you're going to go to the happiest place on earth, wherever that might be for you and your family. I know as a child, I remember these moments. It's that feeling of tomorrow's my birthday or the Christmas Eve when you can't go to sleep. You're just, you're bursting with energy inside. And, and, and what this leads me to believe is that stillness, stillness, I could be laying down like a small child in bed trying to go to sleep because Christmas morning, because my birthday, because we're going to the, the world's best place, the happiest place on earth tomorrow. And my body physically is still, but internally I'm in motion. Stillness is not necessarily restfulness. In fact, you can be physically still, but internally restless. You can be physically still, but internally restless. This word uh, internal, uh, I'm going to use another word that in our spirit, it's that. Have you ever experienced that? If you know what I'm talking about, you can just shout an amen, all caps, amen, with exclamation points, some praying hand emojis or something in the comments on whatever platform you're on. Just, you know, let me know you're with me this morning. You can just say, amen, Pastor Pat, I've been there, where you've been still physically, but in turn, there's something in your spirit that it's active and it's, you can feel it rumbling a little bit. Perhaps right now, because of the situation you're in, Many of you, like me, I'm less physically active. I'm not running around as much. I'm at home much more. We're less physically active. But I can tell you that the internal activity in my life is definitely picked up. It's sped up. So I'm physically more still, but I'm internally more active. 
How is your heart doing in the midst of everything going on right now? Is it settled? Is your heart or spirit settled down? Is it, is it, is it feeling confusion? Is it feeling disordered? Are you, are, are you trying to, to gather it all and settle it down right now? The biggest question that I have to ask myself when I begin to feel that way, and I would suggest you ask, is this God or is this something other than God? Is it God? In this case, is God bringing this disorder, confusion, this unsettled feeling? Or is this the enemy trying to distract me? I know that God is a God of peace. He's not a God of confusion. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, for God is not a God of disorder. That word means confusion. That The God that I'm talking about, the God that sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to overcome death that we're celebrating today, that God is the God of order. He is a God of order that dispels confusion. He is a God of peace. Some of us need to hear that this morning, to know that God is alive and well, to bring order and to bring clarity to the things that maybe right now we're struggling with, but he is not a God of confusion. He is a God of peace. And I realize in my own life that it is, enti- it is entirely possible then to maintain activity, but be in peace. It is entirely possible for me to maintain activity, but be in peace. This is how I know this. In Isaiah 26.3, it says, you will keep him in perfect peace. I want to be kept in perfect peace. That right now, whatever you're experiencing in life, right now, whatever I'm experiencing, whatever Jehoshaphat was experiencing, three tribes getting together to form this super army, this vast army to come and just attack him. This vast army, much like a virus that maybe we feel like is coming against us, this invisible enemy that we can't see. We're trying to make sort of, we're, we're, we're confused by, there's uncertainty in it. I need some of that peace. It says that you will keep him in perfect peace, that I need that perfect peace. Do you need that perfect peace this morning? Turn to somebody next to you, shout to yourself wherever you're at, and just say, I need that perfect peace this morning. I need that, per- just go, go ahead and say, I need that perfect peace. Who receives that per- perfect peace? It says, whose mind, the person who receives the perfect peace is the person whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts you. That word stayed means to lean or to rest. To lean or to rest. So what this tells me is that peace is not, is not inactivity, but it's actually the activity of leaning on God. That peace is not inactivity, but the activity of leaning and resting. That there's something active in that. I have to actively lean into God. And I'm only going to lean against something that I trust will be able to bear the weight of what it is that I carry. For me, I'm, a, I'm 170, 175 pounds. And if I lean against something, I have, to, I have to intellectually know that that thing is going to be able to bear my weight. I'm here to tell you this morning that God can bear the weight of all of your circumstances. God could bear the weight of Jehoshaphat's circumstances. God could bear the weight of whatever we present to him, whatever we bring and we lean on him, whatever you're carrying this morning, God can bear the weight of those things that we can trust in him, that it's not gonna overwhelm him. He's not gonna be overcome by those things. But you and I can be, can be peaceful we can be still but active in our resting and our leaning on God the way that Jehoshaphat did. And I love that God responded to Jehoshaphat. You, you may be saying, God, that, 
that's, that's awesome that we read this, this historical evidence of this man who was a king who was able to lean on God in the midst of difficulties and circumstances. But Pat, that's in history. That's in the past. That's not in my present. What does that have to do with my present? But I'm here to tell you that it's painting a picture. The story of Jehoshaphat was painting a picture of what you and I would receive when God responds personally to us. Because he responds personally to us by sending us the Prince of Peace. Number two, I want to tell you that God's peace is present. It's today because he sent us the Prince of Peace. Now, Isaiah 9, 6, this is a scripture that gets read a lot during Christmas because we're celebrating the birth of baby Jesus. And this is what the scripture says. For to us a child is born, for us a child is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Did you know that God is care that Jesus, this is, for unto us a child, who's the child? Jesus. Jesus is the child. And the government will be on his shoulders. Did you know that Jesus is carrying the governments that we're living in right now? That the governments are trying to support the people and we say, but who's supporting the governments? Jesus Christ is the authority that's carrying these governments that we can trust in God that he's going to do what he needs to do, that all things actually work together for God's good. Why? Because the governments are actually resting on Jesus' shoulders. And he will be called, who? Jesus will be called, I love this, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. Now this passage, Isaiah, Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament of the Bible. The Bible is a book made up of 66 smaller books. Isaiah is a prophet in the older portion of these 66 books. And what that means is, is that God was speaking to Isaiah. And how do I know that God was speaking to Isaiah? And it wasn't Isaiah's own thoughts because Isaiah wrote this in chapter 9, verse 6. He was writing about the coming of Jesus as man, being born as a baby. But he wrote it 700 plus years before Jesus was even born. That's wild. That what was written, that by the time Jesus was born, what Isaiah had written was 700 years plus history. But was about the present moment that Jesus was being born. And when, when, when I allow myself to really let that sink in, this is what it tells me. It tells me that God knew ahead of time that you and I were going to need the peace that Jesus was going to bring. God was beginning to speak to us 3,000 plus years ago when Isaiah wrote this. That God spoke to Isaiah 3,000 years ago to let you and I know that you're on my mind, that I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. I have a Prince of Peace for you. I, I, just, just, I, I know it's hard to be patient, but be patient because I'm the one who's going to step in personally and, and I'm gonna be present for you. So he knew ahead of time that we were gonna need this peace. So here's Jesus and, and, and there, in one account, John was walking with Jesus, this man John, and John wrote in the newer portion of the Bible. 
This is a personal account that John wrote. This is what John said in chapter 16, verse 33. He's recounting what Jesus was saying. So this is John's account, being there, listening to Jesus. He's recording Jesus' words. This is what Jesus says. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You know, when I read the book of Isaiah and I read the foretelling that it was written 700 plus years before Jesus, I have to tell you something. God was telling me those things so that I can have peace. It's, it's one of the pieces of proof that I know that God was speaking into my present situation. And he was speaking about the Prince of Peace that he was delivering and giving in his son, Jesus Christ. So that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Now, this is a definitive statement. This isn't, in this world, if you live in this neighborhood over here, you're going to have trouble. This neighborhood's not going to have trouble. This country is going to have trouble. This country's not going to. These people are going to deal with, with the virus. These people are not going to. That If there's one thing that I'm, I'm realizing more and more every day, and maybe you're realizing the same thing, is we're all in this together. That I can look at you right now and I can call you family because we're all part of the family of humanity. We're in this together. You are as susceptible as I am. It doesn't matter the status of your life, socioeconomic. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter where you were born. That this scripture tells me in this world, you will have trouble. But it says take heart. That, word, that, 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 that line, take heart, means to have courage, to, to be encouraged, to have courage pressed into your heart. But take heart. He says, I have overcome the world. Take heart, he's saying. I'm giving you peace because you will run into trouble, but take heart because I have overcome all of your troubles, all of the things the world is going to present to you. I'm going to overcome the depressions, the anxieties, the fears, the uncertainties, the unknowns, the confusions. I'm going to overcome every single thing. I'm going to overcome, yes, even the coronavirus. I am going to overcome the relational distance that you might be feeling in your family. I'm going to overcome the addiction. I'm going to overcome the diseases that you might be fighting. But you may, you may, no, you will run into trouble. Be encouraged because my son Jesus Christ has overcome every single one of those things. You just need to turn to somebody next to you and give them a high five or something and like slap them, tell them, tell them pa Pastor Pat is preaching right now. Somebody to stand up and yell at the screen, yell at whatever you're watching on. It's like, I, 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 I can't hear you physically, but I, I, I can feel it. So here's the deal. Jesus gave us the greatest gift. He gave us the greatest amount of peace over 2,000 years ago. This is what this is saying. When he resurrected from the grave and overcame death. And when he overcame death, when he resurrected from the, from the grave and he overcame death, he left the tomb empty. He left the tomb empty. It makes me think about all the churches right now across, across the globe that perhaps are empty. And some of us maybe have felt defeat in that, but what I'm presenting to you today that there's victory in that because the tomb was empty. And I'm gonna tell you what an empty tomb represents. 
It actually represents that the greatest gift of peace we ever had, he's still making empty tombs out of our troubles today. That the greatest gift of peace that we've ever received in Jesus Christ overcoming death is that he left a tomb empty and that empty tomb is still overcoming and he's making empty tombs out of our troubles today. Because a lot of times what happens, I think we look back in history, we say Easter is a time where we celebrate what God has once done. We celebrate what Jesus once did on the cross and what he once did by leaving a tomb empty. And we look back and we go, that was an amazing thing that happened over 2,000 years ago. But friends, I'm here to tell you that Jesus just didn't come back to give us a good history lesson. But to tell us today that he is present today, his peace is present for us in the moment that you and I can access this peace today. A lot of times what happens is, is we go, God, thank you for doing that there. But see, the situation I'm in right now, I wish, I wish that would work here. And, and I'm here. What he was overcoming 2,000 years ago, he was overcoming 200 years ago. The death in you and I's life that maybe we struggle with he was also overcoming 20 years ago and two years ago and two months ago and two weeks ago and two days ago and two hours ago and two minutes ago and two seconds ago. But he's also overcoming today, right now, present, right in the moment. And Jesus is present and he's near and he's overcoming all of those things in our lives and leaving empty tombs where the enemy wants us to feel like our hearts and our lives are full of these dead things. But Jesus Christ left the tomb empty and his role in our lives is that he will leave the tombs of our hearts empty as well. He will remove the dead things. He will resurrect the things that we didn't think could ever be resurrected. He will give hope in the greatest times of darkness. Jesus Christ put us in the right position what Jesus did when he died on the cross, he left the tomb empty, is he put us in the right position. He said, here, I'm going to put you in position now to receive, to have access to the peace. Now you're positioned to receive peace directly from the Father. I'm the intermediary. I'm the bridge. I'm the one who bridged the gap. You're in position now. Now you and I have a job to do that we now have to decide on taking the posture to receive peace. Jesus has put us in position to receive the peace and we now have to put ourselves in the right posture to receive that peace. What is that posture? What does it look like? How do we access God's peace today? What is, what is that posture, you may ask? Colossians 3.15, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I think, I think 
give me a second. I think there are some people that are listening to this right now that the peace of Christ is not ruling in their heart. In fact, there's, there's pieces of things that are in your heart that are ruling, that are superseding the peace of Christ in your life. As we've walked through the last four weeks, lots of conversations with people, struggles they've been having. And what I have found, and maybe you can relate to this, and I know this is true in my own life in this regard, that some of the things that I'm struggling with, some of the things that you may be struggling with, aren't things that are new troubles. They're troubles and they're things that were ruling in our hearts. Perhaps there's things that have been ruling in your heart for years, for decades. But it was this moment, it was this time that what happens is, is that three, four weeks ago, we get thrust into this situation and it rips off the top of that wound. It's like it rips the scab back and it exposes the things that were already in our hearts, the troubles, the anxieties, the fears, the confusion, the disorder. And those are the things that have been ruling in our lives for years, perhaps. But we've been able to keep, keep it scabbed over. We've been able to protect it. We've been protecting the very things that are hurting us. And something like this comes along and all of a sudden we can't protect it any longer. It's like the scab is ripped off. And right now what we're dealing with is we're dealing with facing the fact that there are realities in our lives that we've been walking with for years and years and years maybe. But today in your present, that today, right now, in this very moment, Jesus Christ as we celebrate that he is alive, as we celebrate that he's overcome death, that he is alive and he's well, if we let him, if we let the peace of who he is, if we let the person of peace rule in our hearts, so the posture becomes, Jesus Christ, you can rule in my life. You can reign over all the other things that have been ruling in my life. That this stuff has been ruling in my heart and my life, but I need your peace. This is why you were sent as the Prince of Peace. And I'm allowing you today, I am submitting to you today, I'm laying my life down today before you. And I'm allowing you to step in and rule and reign over all of the things that I've been dealing with. Jesus is near right now. And he's ready to respond to our troubles if we're willing if we're willing to allow him, if you this morning are willing to allow him to step in and rule in your heart. I'm gonna wrap up with this. In Philippians 4.4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Isn't that what we're doing this morning? 
We're taking the joy of what happened 2,000 years ago and we're rejoining it. We're remembering it. We're putting it back together. We're taking the pieces of joy that we read about from 2,000 years ago and we're reassembling it today so that we can see it and we can hold it and we can make it true not only historically, but we can make it true today. We can make it true not only 2,000 years ago, but we can make it true in our today. And it says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is what? Near. He's not far. Jesus Christ, so you know, is not stuck on the cross. Jesus Christ isn't stuck in the tomb. Jesus Christ isn't stuck standing next to the empty tomb. Jesus Christ isn't stuck in our history 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ is stuck by our side. Jesus Christ is attached to our situation. Jesus Christ is near and dear to us today. He wants to overcome the things that you've been dealing with. In the very next verse, it says, do not be anxious about anything. Why? Because he's near today. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In verse 7, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. In who? In Christ Jesus. I can't explain the peace of God. Somebody asked me, can you, can you describe the peace of God? You know, I could give you some basic framework about what peace has looked like in my life, but I have to tell you, it might look a little bit different for you. But more importantly, the peace of God transcends anything that you and I are gonna be able to understand. And if you've been personal witness to this in your, if you have a testimony of this in your own life, if you've had personal impact by allowing the person of peace to rule in your life, you know what I'm talking about. There is a peace that it's, it's indescribable that when you talk to me, I say, I don't even know how to explain this peace that I feel. I would try to give words to it. I would try to give language to it, but I can't even describe what it is that I'm feeling. It's like my circumstances haven't changed, but something in my heart has changed. My circumstances and my position maybe hasn't changed, but my perspective has changed. It's like Jesus is present with me. The Prince of Peace has overcome all of these things that were once the dead things, and he's brought those dead things into the light. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is the centerpiece of our peace. He is the centerpiece to our peace. In verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about those things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. And the God of peace today, right now this morning. Resurrection Sunday, the year 2020. Unlike any Eastern history. Right where you sit, right where you're listening from, the God of peace is there with you. 
if you would do this with me, if you could just, if you could just close your eyes for a second. And I'm going to close my eyes with you. The only, the only thing I ask is, is if you're driving listening to this and you're the driver of the car, you maybe don't want to close your eyes. I, I, I don't want to be responsible for that. But let's close our eyes for a second, if you can do it safely. And this, this, is, simply, this is simply what I want to do. If you're somebody right now that's listening to this, and you have not allowed the person of peace, Jesus Christ, to rule in your heart. I want to pray with you right now. I want to pray with you right now. And you can repeat this out loud or you can, you can just say this to yourself in your heart. You can just say, Jesus, I have allowed everything else under the sun to have place of rulership in my heart. And right now, I want to allow the person of peace, I want to allow you, Jesus Christ, to rule and to reign in my heart. To bring the peace that I so desperately need. Jesus, I know that when you rule in my heart, that whatever, wherever you rule, wherever you rule, you rule and reign over wherever you rule. Thank you for making empty tombs out of my past. I want you to say this. Say, thank you, Jesus, for making empty tombs out of my troubles. Thank you, Jesus, for making empty tombs out of my dark circumstances. Thank you, Jesus, for making empty tombs out of my depression. Thank you, Jesus, for making empty tombs out of my fear, out of my anxiety, out of my confusion. Thank you, Jesus. As I lay down my life right now and allow you, the person of peace, to rule, in my heart, I give my life to you. Some of you that are listening right now, you've made this declaration before and you're a follower of Jesus or maybe you're on the fence. You've said yes to Jesus, but you're not following fully. But right now in your heart, you know that you need this perfect peace. You need the perfect peace that God gives when we, we stay, when we lean on God. Who or what are you allowing to rule in your heart? And if you need to come to, come to grips, if you need to have a, a, a proverbial come to Jesus moment right now, you too can pray and say, yes, Jesus. I want to turn full face to you. And I, I want to admit, I want to allow the person of peace to rule and reign over everything, not just some things. Family, this is such an important time. That the biggest outcome, that the best thing that could happen this morning is that we walk into a realization that Jesus Christ, he didn't just do something 2,000 years ago but he's doing something still today.
And what I love about this is, is that nothing can stand between us. Nothing can stand between us and the relationship that we've been given with the Father and with Jesus. And can I add that nothing can stand in between the relationship that we have with one another? If you made, now, really quickly, if you made a decision for Jesus Christ this morning, if you made a decision for Jesus Christ, I, I, I have one ask of you because we take this really serious. We want to be able to walk along this journey with you. We want to be able to come alongside you because this is what we feel like we're here for. Not to present, it's not a, it's not a, a, a pretty broadcast. It's not something that we just put on social media. It's not just, hey, that was great and we high five and walk out of here. Your life, you right now, the one looking right at me, the one with tears in their eyes, the one that knows that you desperately need to know that you're loved and that you belong to something that's bigger than you. That's who I'm speaking to. If you gave your life to Jesus today, this is what I want you to simply do. I want you to text, this is, this is real simple. I want you to text Jesus 111 to the number 94090. Text the word Jesus 111 to the number 94090. Family, we are so happy and so pleased and so full of joy to continue to hear about all the things that you've been embracing and you've been stepping into while we've been quarantined. Thank you so much. It's been so encouraging to get the emails and the text messages and the phone calls and the messages on social media platforms, hearing about the things that you've been doing to help other people feel like they're loved and to bring this person of peace into your neighborhoods, into your homes, into your workplaces. I encourage you, we pray for you that you would continue doing those things. Thank you for those of you who have stepped in above and beyond to support financially what it is that your church is doing in communities. The individuals that we're feeding, the kids that are stuck in the in-between where their school isn't in session, but they don't have food. And we've been able to come in and support and bring food. And we've been able to bring things that are necessities to those children because of your generosity. I wanna thank you right now. If, you, if you've been going above and beyond, thank you. I also want to tell you, we are desperate to see you again face to face, to stand shoulder to shoulder, and to be sure when we see each other, it'll be more than a fist bump. It might be more than a handshake, but I look forward to hugging you. I look forward to high-fiving you. I look forward to seeing the joy in your face, hearing your laughter in person. Until that moment, remember, Jesus Christ, the person of peace, is present and near today. And he has overcome even the silent things the enemy wants to bring against us. We love you. We long to be with you. We'll continue to pray for you as you pray for us. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. You guys have a great rest of your Sunday.